Hey guys, before we start today's episode, just wanted to firstly say a big thank you to our flood of new listeners and followers, and an even bigger thank you to those that have supported us via our Buy Us A Coffee link, most notably Joe and Anita, so big shout out to you. If anyone else wants to support us there, you can find the link on our link tree, which is on our Instagram page at schism.tv, so please follow us there where we post content and updates on the daily. Now, in today's show, we have a great interview with Michael Feely, who's written some amazing books, such as Alchemy of the Gods and The Secret Christ. Think Da Vinci Code meets Ancient Aliens for a bit of a taste of what's to come. But it's going to be a different kind of episode today with us talking about UFOs, aliens and the paranormal And it's worth stating that actually we recorded this before all the recent UFO activity going on in America post this media storm regarding the Chinese spy balloon. So um, it was pretty synchronistic that we were actually talking about things like Project Blue Beam and the idea of a staged alien invasion before all this happened. But as our listeners well know, that's kind of the nature of doing this kind of research. So there is some slight interference on the line for the first 10, 15 minutes or so, but it does sort itself out. So please bear with us. It was kind of freaky for me editing this one because we do talk about a lot of paranormal stuff and it literally sounded like there was like some ghosts trapped in the machine. There's some like supernatural stuff going on in the recording even. But as we discussed with Michael, everything in this world that is the so-called supernatural, is natural, and everything that is dubbed the paranormal is actually normal. Hello, and welcome to The Schism. This podcast is all about critical thinking, dot connecting, the nature of reality, and trying to uncover the truth about the world we live in, society, who we are, and where we come from. Hello and welcome to The Schism. I'm riding solo today and won't be joined by my usual co-host Adam, but I will be talking to a very special guest we have on the show today, author, researcher and revealer of hidden esoteric knowledge, Michael Feely. Michael, thanks so much for talking to me today. That's an absolute pleasure as always. Thank you. Now, in today's episode, I'd love to delve into your take on humanity's hidden ancient past, aliens, UFOs, and the so-called paranormal. But before we get into the uh, more juicier subjects covered in your books and all your work, could you give our listeners a bit of background on yourself and just how you came to be doing the kind of work that you're doing today? Yeah, again, going back all the way to, to childhood, I was a very kind of isolated child. I always felt like I'd been dropped on the wrong planet. I didn't feel like I belonged here. And I always wanted to be a police officer. And I eventually got that wish and I signed up for a 30-year career, but did 17 years. And that taught me how to gather evidence. It taught me how to find evidence. It taught me how to be succinct in providing that evidence, because when you go to court, they just want what's relevant. So the way in which I write and the way in which I speak about the evidence is a very, very succinct learning. And that comes from that law enforcement background. Why did I leave? Well, 12 months before I did eventually leave, I was becoming very, very disillusioned with the system and what the system was trying to make me do, which was, for one, largely immoral, 
and for two, some of it was actually illegal and I refused to do it. And I was beginning to make a kind of uh, solo crusade against the management because I just refused to do what they were trying to make me do. So I was, I was becoming very, very disillusioned. But at the same time, I was being faced with basically a complete life changer because I was, I was beginning to experience things. And these things were literally every day, all day and night. And it was the likes of seeing UFOs coming out of portals in the sky. It was actually coming face to face with people not of this world. It was telepathically being invited to certain locations. It was going out in broad daylight in my hometown and looking up and seeing three gigantic UFO cigars in the sky. And that's really how it began to introduce me to a much wider reality. And I then begin to realise that what we call paranormal is normal and what we call supernatural is natural. And it's just all of these different realities that are forever existing around us. But because they're outside of our normal band of frequency spectrum, we don't interact or we don't see them unless our paths cross for any particular reason. So this, this was beginning to, as I say, expand my mind. But then with the introduction into these things, as I say, began to, to, to turn my life around. And with the disillusionment of the career, I resigned and I left. So I did 17 years of a 30-year career. Right. So you you say you become disenfranchised with the police and the sort of things that they were asking you to do. I noticed that your very first book was entitled Seven Things the Police Don't Want You to Know. So when you left the force, I guess you felt compelled to write that book. I mean, what like what what are some of them seven things? And why why wasn't it ten? Well, again, I could have stretched it out to ten. It, it, it's seven is a significant number in terms of, of of ancient world, in terms of the key to the third dimension. So, I guess number seven was was an influence. But but some of those things really went into into detail as to why the disillusionment started, which was again being forced to initiate stop and searches in an illegal way, being forced to see fabrication of, of, of crime figures and different things. You know, we, we had the likes of, shall we say, KPIs, which are key performance indicators, and they were monitored by the Home Office and, and forces were graded up, upon how they dealt with KPIs. And some of the crimes that were involved in KPIs were the likes of theft from motor vehicle and theft of motor vehicle. So if someone smashes your window and steals your coat out of the back seat, that's a theft from... If someone smashes the window and gets in the car and takes off of it, that's theft of motor vehicle. And that was KPI. So what I was finding and what I was personally witnessing is that when these crimes occurred, they were being renamed as vehicle interference. So it looked like we were doing well in KPIs because the crime was apparently coming down, but it was just being renamed. So actually it was going up. And I was seeing this, this, you know, this low-level corruption all the time in, in, in the manipulation of response time figures. You know, when, when you have an immediate response, you have 10 minutes to get there from the time of the call to the time you're on the doorstep. And if you weren't meeting that, they were downgrading it to what's called an early response, which gave you a 30-minute response time. So everything was pretty much being manipulated. Mm. And and that was... I, I, I wasn't really going to be tolerating that because, for me, it, it's... It's it, you know it's, it's dishonesty. So that though it's those kind of things that that were in that that seven things. Mm. You know, of course there were, there were more, but it's one of those things, uh, and that's that's the kind of things that are covered in details. It reminds me a lot of what was going on in the COVID era and and the the book uh, How to Lie with Statistics that was famously yeah. on Bill in infamously on Bill Gates's uh, video where he was talking about his favorite books and that was one of them, but the way that they were 
you know, every death that was 28 days later after, a, I would argue, false positive COVID test was counted. And yeah. you, you saw the way they were moving all these statistics around, you know, died of COVID. Well, did they die of it or did they just test positive with a faulty test? You know, it reminds me of that. It was, it was the exact same thing. I mean, I, I know I know for a fact that a lot of people who had COVID on their death certificate, it had nothing to do with COVID at all. It was a complete fabrication. And I know that for a personal fact, the the the, the COVID figures were completely manipulated because I, I know of people who had passed away in car accidents and, and motor accidents. I know of people who passed away of suicide and their death certificate says COVID. And that was not the case. So it was completely manipulated. Now, just, just think logically. If you have this airborne killer that can get from China to the UK in a couple of days, then if it's as bad as we are told, where it's going to decimate the population... You don't need to manipulate the figures. You only need to manipulate the figures if you need to sensationalise it and because you are lying to people. And that is what has happened. And, and you know, even Matt Hancock, God bless his soul, even he said, you know, the figures are being manipulated when they got caught out. So it was complete fabrication. Now, I know of many instances and many people within these organisations that are aware of this low-level corruption of figures because you have... Lies, damn lies, and then you have statistics. And statistics can tell you exactly what you want them to. So everybody's been lied to. If there was such a thing, and, and I do believe that something was perpetrated on us, but it's not what we are told that it was. And, you know, some of the ridiculous things that we're being told, which nobody could ever answer to me, you know, why, why am I okay sitting six feet away from somebody with this airborne disease that has travelled across the world in days? And yet, if I sit sit six feet away from somebody, we're both okay. If I sit down, I'm okay. If I stand up, we're in danger. <clears throat> when you start looking at these things logically, 9.59 p.m., you're safe. At 10 p.m., you're in danger. When you start looking at it, how ridiculous it really was, then when you actually introduce any form of logical thinking, you can blow it out of the water. It's absolutely ridiculous. And that, that was the same, really, in, in the police, in, in all of these services that are offering statistics under the guise of, well, the public don't care anyway, so let's just give them anything, you know. And that came from top people at Scotland Yard. That came from people in crime management offices who, who were getting bonus payments for crime management when all they'd done is renamed a KPI offence. Mm-hmm. And all of these these things really were, were playing on my mind because when you come from a place of, of model compass and a place of integrity, then you don't want to see that kind of thing within an organisation that is there to enforce these kinds of things and yet they were doing them themselves it kind of reminds me of some kind of like karmic get out you know lying with statistics not it's not the same as lying but unfortunately yeah there's no there's no getting around that going going back to so you mentioned that while in the police force you had multiple paranormal and ufo experiences can you talk to us a little bit about that and also, what what was your exact position within the Met then? Because you were in the, the Metropolitan Police Force, right? I was in the Met and then I transferred back to my home force, which was, was the West Midlands in Birmingham. And my position was always the position I wanted, which was to be in the response team, which is basically in the patrol cars, answering the emergency and non-emergency calls. Because I always wanted to be, and it's not a cliche, I always wanted to, to be there to help people at their time of need. You know, they pick up the phone, I need some help now and I wanted to be there to do that. I didn't want to be in an office. I didn't want to be dealing with it the next morning when it was cold. I wanted to be there 
dealing with it at the time. So even though many other departments uh, wanted me to join them, like CID and, and different places, I always resisted that because I, I wanted to be on the front line. So for my 17 years, I was on the front line and it, it was so varied. You know, one moment you, you can literally go to a shoplifter at Hasda who's stolen a Mars bar and you can deal with that. And, and your next job is a hostage situation or someone's been killed or stabbed. Or, so it was so varied. You could never, you could never predict what was going to happen. And I guess that was kind of the appeal because you don't know what's going to happen at, at, at any particular day. And it really, really was that varied you know, from a shoplifter to a plane crash to something very, very severe. And then back to something extremely mundane again. So it, it was one of those jobs and I always wanted to be on the front line to be able to respond to those things. Right, okay. And and when did the paranormal experiences start happening? Because I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that was, you didn't stay in the force too much longer after that, or was that actually going on for quite a long time whilst you were still serving in the police? It, be, it began really to be, intro- I, I left in 2009 and I began to be drip-fed drip around about the 2007 mark. So there, there, there was a couple of, of years of that and there was a couple of years where I'd be on night duty or, and, and wherever and, and be witnessing things that were happening whilst on, you know, whilst on night duty and, and different duties. So it began while I was, I was in there, but then it became more and more and more intense. So and you be- and multiple officers... Or, or other people that we were were with you on many occasions there was some on, on on one occasion there was me and another officer and two paramedics that witnessed things on other occasions there was me and another officer on other occasions there'd be me uh on other occasions when i was not on duty there would be me and several friends so it, again it was it was one and multiple people witnessing these things and as I say, it started off while I was still there and it kind of carried on up until I left and then continued after that. And my, my what, what I call my major awakening was going back in time to remote view a crime. And it was extremely traumatic. And it was actually in Victorian England that I went back to consciously. And it was a long story that led up to this, but that was really my awakening because from that point on, that's when my life changed, and that was in February. Sorry, February the 9th, two thousand and nine, and I can I can trace that back specifically to that date and that time. Because they do actually use remote viewers, don't they? If there's a, for example, in the police force, say say there was a kidnapping case, and there were and there was a hostage situation or someone that they needed to get to, and they only had a limited time, and they'd exhausted everything else, they would bring in a remote viewer. Or if if not the police, maybe F FBI or something. But that happens, right? It does happen, and, and I know it happens because I've done it, and it, it wasn't a conscious effort. It just happened. So you do get people who can actually control that, and they can actually their consciousness and awareness can leave and can go to a specific location, and they can earwig and, and, and eavesdrop on what's going on, and then they can come back and report what they've heard. So a lot of these organisations, such as the White House and different things, they will have psychic guardians against remote viewers. And as I say, you know, I speak of these things because I've experienced them. And so I know that it that is possible and I know that it does happen. Wow. I remember hearing a story, I think it was during, I think it was during the Cold War, but it, it, it was something to do with like a remote viewer detecting Russian missile silos 
giving the coordinates, the bombs coming down and it actually hitting the silos, which were undetectable by any technology they had, but the remote viewer actually found them. But that's that's insane that you're saying that on places such as the White House, they actually what employ other psychic people to block. Can you explain that a little bit? That, that just sounds so... Basically, anybody who has an activated third eye, yeah. anybody who can use their spiritual sight can see, and they can see beyond the physical veil. And if you can see beyond the physical veil, then you can see these things, which are remote viewers or spirits or or whatever. You know, there's so much going on that we don't, not always aware of. And I, and I just common everyday people that are able to remote view and go to specific places. And these are just very, just normal spiritual people. So we can leave ourselves and go to different places. And some people can do it consciously. But when you, you are trained and you have a spiritual sight, you can see it. And that's why you, that, that they have people there that are aware if, if anybody comes in as a remote viewer, because they can sense and see it. Right. Okay. So they're more like the canary in the coal mine. And they will say someone is trying to infiltrate. Yes. Right, okay. Yes. I was thinking of them in my head as being like bodyguards <laughs> in like stopping like remote viewers getting in. But yeah, the, the, but the thing that they are there basically, like like you say, to 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 report. Yeah, right. And if you're having a secret meeting, the last thing you want is is a remote viewer from another country or another nation coming in to listen yes. to what you're saying to then but, go back to their physical. But to they couldn't. Them. But they couldn't put up some kind of psychic firewall. They, they they can only report, would you say? They they have more abilities out of body than they do in in their bodies. So if you if you are able to control it and you are able to say no, and, and, I, and I've done this as well, if you are able to shift your awareness to another place and you know the exact coordinates of where that place is, you can go there and you can listen and you can see to what's going on. You also have those people that are aware that when somebody does that, they are aware of it. So it may well be a case that they can stop it happening, or it may be a case of saying, I can see you, get out of here. Right. But okay. e either way, they have people there who are sensitive to this and they know when it is happening to stop people coming in and eavesdropping on private conversations. So the incident that you remote viewed I take it that wasn't a deliberate thing. It was something that just came to you. And then did you kind of afterwards think, right, I, I have to now research this thing that I that has come to me like a vision to try and put it in some kind of context? Did you manage to do that? I mean, again, it's, it's kind of a, a lengthy story, really. But there was a, a young Victorian teenager whose life had been taken by a stepfather. And my wife as a child her house was on, on this particular area of farmland, which was Victorian England. And there was always this girl around that was saying, I want you to look into my death, basically. And when my wife and I got together, then I kind of in inherited the story. Uh, suffice to say, this, this young girl wanted us to look into her death. And on the anniversary of that death, there was all strange things going on in our house and, and my wife and I had to leave go to our mother-in-law's because there, there was radiators going off, there was windows smashing in the house, there was there, there's all of this this real strange phenomenon going on and we just couldn't stay there. So we went to mother-in-law's house 
at about 1.30 in the morning, which was now, this was happening on Sunday, the 8th of February, 2009. We went to bed at half past one in the morning, which was now Monday, the 9th of February, 2009. And it was in a ground floor garage conversion. And around about 3.30 that morning, I remember even now vividly, I was in an old wooden creaky bedroom and I was looking from one side of the room to the other and there was a set of blue curtains and there was a wooden door in the inner right hand corner and as the wooden door opened the draft made the curtains move and I heard a young girl's voice saying he's here and that led basically he used to abuse her and on this particular occasion he smothered her to keep her, her screams quiet and she passed away and I witnessed this because I read my view back to this time. And it was an absolute terrifying thing to witness. And when I came back, I couldn't sleep with the lights off for six months. It was traumatic. But it was the conclusion of the story. Now, what had happened is we'd arranged for a medium, a friend of the family, to come and help us the next day. And just as we were about to get into the car the next morning, petrified to go and collect her, she called and said, I can't help you. And I said, I'm coming to get you you are coming to help. So we went to, to fetch her and she said, she, well, when we got there, she was actually pacing up and down on her doorstep. And she said that in, in the amount of decades that she's been doing this and been dealing with spirit, this is the first time that she had to leave her own house. And she said that a washing machine in the kitchen had lifted by itself. She said that she'd had a, a cup of coffee in the kitchen and when she went to drink it, it had been moved. And basically, she'd been very, very unnerved by what was going on. So she came over and helped us. This young girl, who we had the name of, basically gave us her story of the baton. And I said to her, you know, we, we, we've looked we've looked to see if we could find any record of your name. But I've only gone back to the Second World War because we didn't have a date. We only had a name. And I said, just out of interest, where, when are we talking? You know, what date? When are we talking? And the medium that helped us said, just bear me a second. She's the year 1850. So the 9th of February, 1850, is when the girl passed. And it was 159 years prior to, to me going back to witness it. But it, what we didn't realise at the time is not only did we have her around us, but we also had her stepfather, who was the assailant. And he'd been causing terrible problems. Right. And their parting words were, thank you, I'm sorry, and my favourite colours are pink and lilac. So I got the first two. Okay, fair enough. But why are you telling me about your favourite colours? What relevance is that? A couple of days later, I came back home with my wife from a day out. And as we got back, there was a, a, an artificial pink and lilac flower left for us in the house. She'd come back to give us the gift, and it was pink and lilac, which were her favourite colours. So that's at that point, it made sense. Wow. Okay. And that, re that really is, is the specific incident, even though I was sort of being drip-fed different things it was that specific incident that was that caused my awakening right okay and then after that after that paranormal experience did you then start to have these ufo sightings and <clears throat> was that going on around the same time was that after that well it, it basically was a horizontal line through it so it started before and continued after so again the the, the drip fed would predominantly ufo sightings and that was really the, the beginning for me but those sightings as i say went through the middle of it and, and continued the other wow. side of it <clears throat> and, and and it was literally a daily occurrence where things would be happening 
and when when there's that much you know personal disruption in your life you can never go back in your opinion what is aliens interest in us as a species and what part do you think do they have in our story is there many different species of aliens that you believe have interacted with us over our history and for what purpose every everything is a vibration and the environment that you find yourself in in this case planets or star systems are a vibration that are compatible with your experience at the time. So there are many existences of different appearances in different star systems because they are having a particular experience. And we are now different on Earth. Humans do not come from Earth. Our DNA is programmed elsewhere, and our body is created through the carbon and oxygen from an explosion in the Orion Nebula. So we are not from Earth either. What I think, when you look at the positive side I think that they are advanced spiritual humans who are continuing their journey in a different frequency star system. So their interest is to liberate us from the negative side that are creating the false matrix that is keeping people in a negative low vibrational ebb. And they put limiters in, in, in energy fields and, and to create an inhumane system and they keep people in that system. So when you get advanced spiritual humans who have surpassed this experience and have gone beyond this experience, then they are existing in a more compatible star system for them at that particular time. And that is why they, are, they have an interest in coming back to help their former selves because they've gone through what we're going through and they've surpassed what we're going through. But they're, so, not, us from, they're not us from the future. Well... <clears throat> When, when you understand that time is not a, a solid structure, time is very, very fluid. And depending upon your perception or depending upon the speed that you are travelling, time changes. So on the basis of that, what is the future? If I've gone back to 159 years in the past and the event is happening and it happened 159 years ago, then how can it be happening now? What you have is all of these parallel existences like railroad tracks going through a central station, which is zero dimensions. And these events are still playing out. You know, I've actually witnessed the spirit of historical characters and I've looked at them and they are as clear as day as you are now. How can that be if they existed hundreds and hundreds of years ago, but they're still here now? So it brings into question, what is time? What is the future? You know, if you take a long enough orbit, then you can see the past. Mm. When we look when we look up at the stars, that's the past. You know, if the sun was to explode tomorrow, it would take eight minutes and 43 seconds for us to realise. So what is the future? They, they are basically, the, the, fu the, the future is in, in a different timeline that we can skip onto or we can forge or we can create. And there are multiple potential endings to multiple potential futures. And if you imagine, you know, if, if you imagine like when you have the box and you have lane A, B, C, D, E, and F, and you have the rats in each of them running towards the, the finish line, if you imagine timeline in that circumstance, you're in box A. And if you continue on box A, then this will be the future. But you can cross into B or mm -hmm. C or D. <clears throat> so you can change the future. 
So really, the future, the, the past, the present and the future are the same thing happening at the same time, which is now. So that then brings into question, if they are in our future, well, that's just a continuation of every other time. I wonder if it's almost inevitable that we will become them in a sense, but obviously not if they're trying to help us and aid us into that direction. In terms of different species of alien, obviously you've got your classic greys and it makes me laugh because there's even like an emoji when you use your phone of an alien and it's the classic grey. And it's almost comedy to me that there's all these depictions in all these modern movies like Marvel movies or whatever. Maybe they look like giant bugs. Maybe they look like this. Maybe they look like that. And to me, it's most likely that they actually look like that classic grey-headed alien. This seems to be the case, right? I mean, the greys are a species of alien that, you know, we've seen in the Roswell autopsies and all the rest of it. But in the kind of hierarchy, where are the greys? Are they the lackeys for like another species of alien? They're, they are basically but one of many. If, if we were to travel to Earth now and we land in China, and China's the only place that we'd seen on Earth, we would think that all Earthlings look Chinese. They don't. There are diff- there's so many different appearances of our own race. So there are many different appearances of races outside of this one. Where do they fit in? They are one but many race. The majority of them tend to be on, on the negative side, what you deem to be a negative side, but, but really it's a polarity. And the only way in which you can, you can achieve balance is through polarity, through duality. The only way that you can measure any progress that you've personally made is because of duality. So we tend to look at things as negative and positive, which is really two extremities of the same octave. But if you were to look at the negative side, then the greys tend to fit into the negative side of the the agenda. And we are forever being given images of this is how extraterrestrials look because you are being programmed to view things a certain way. You know, so they are but one of many, many species out there who look differently. Some of them, we walk past them in the street and we don't even know. They are so close to us, you wouldn't even know. It's kind of reminding me of they live or body snatchers or yes. something. Yes. But you 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 honestly believe they walk among us. These are in that sense shapeshifters. Well, some of them are physical humanoids that look like us. So them ones are not shapeshifting, they just look like us, and they look so much like us that you wouldn't notice the difference. And they're the then there are the ones that look totally not like us and then you have the ones that do shapeshift and they use certain vessels in which to be in this three-dimensional existence so there's multiple things going on you know you have the ones who are technically advanced that have these wonderful ships that can get where they want but they're still not spiritually advanced enough to not need ships you then could you give us like a top trump you know like what are the perceived names of you know, give us the top five species of aliens that you're kind of talking about, just just to kind of like make it digestible for people. Because I know a fair bit about this, but I'm, you know, I'm also thinking our listeners, th- this might all be news for them. So, okay. First, first of all, we are universal, and we are universal beings that that align ourselves to a particular star system for a particular reason at a particular time in our development. There are many races here who are seemingly on the side of humanity. 
and they are the likes of the Arcturians, Terracetians, Syrians, Palladians, Lyrans, etc., etc. So they they tend to be the races that you come across the most repeatedly. Then, of course, have those in opposition, you know, your greys and, and, and different things that are on the negative side of the fence. In the interest of duality, you have to have both Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. That is how reality is. That is the duality. But they are here to help us. You know, one of the first messages that I, that I ever received from them, and it stuck with me to this day because it is it's extremely profound, they said to me, and I quote, we are not here to rescue you. We are here to help you to rescue yourselves. And that was a profound thing that was said to me over 10 years ago. And it stuck with me to this day because we are responsible for our own destiny. And you can have help and you can have guidance and you can have assistance, but we're the ones that have to do it. And it's the same really in, in religion where they, they, they attach their, their hope and their dedication and their faith to an individual character that is a metaphor that never existed. In the same way that a lot of people in the, in, in the UFO community are saying, we want disclosure, we want a landing on the of the lawn of the White House. Let me tell you now, if, if the White House ever discloses anything to you, it's not the good side. So I'll take it with a pinch of salt. People who have experienced, people who know, and people who understand, don't need a government to tell you what you already know. You know, it's, it's the people who are maybe lacking something that wants and push for this disclosure because it's not going to happen for the betterment of humanity. It's going to be the, it's going to be the side that they're dealing with, who are dealing with the above government departments and everything else. So there is this, there's this conflict going on and there are those who are here to help. There are those who are here to monitor and there are those who are here to hinder. I mean, it's funny you say that about the greys because I've understood that, you know, UFOs have, say when there's been nuclear tests going on, UFOs have come and intercepted that and shot the nukes out of the sky, so they're just like duds. So it seems like in that respect, they're trying to say, you know, trying to send us a message like, don't use nuclear weapons, and they're kind of benevolent. You see, with with nuclear weapons, it's children with, with dangerous toys. And when you when you see that, that the composition, according to modern day science, is, is really the composition of the universe is, is particles, subatomic particles, and atoms. Now, when you have the likes of again, just one example of many, you know, you have the proton, for example, one singular proton that may be in your body holds the information of every single proton in the universe, and the same with the electron, the same with the neutron. Now, when you are messing with atomic stability you are creating a ripple effect throughout the whole of the galaxy. So what we do affects other people, other races, other beings. And why should we be allowed to do that? Right. So a nuclear bomb would send ripples through potentially other dimensions. Yes, it would. It, It does. It does. And that is why sometimes in the past these things have been prevented because they cause atomic instability. And that has that ripple effect. Now, if you throw a large stone into the water, you see the ripples expanding outwards. And that's no different in relation to this this nuclear power. It is dangerous in the wrong hands. And one of the reasons that humanity has lost a lot of its abilities is because we're not mature enough to have those abilities. Yeah. You know, and, and they they're they're taken from us. 
because we are really an infantile race and many people who are walking around are still not yet past the animal stage. So you have the animal instinct in human form and we, we cannot be trusted with that kind of equipment mm. because you do cause problems for everyone else and that shouldn't be allowed. I've often thought, you know, they uh, set a new cough in the middle of the desert, but what if another dimension, that was a city, you know, <laughs> the splitting of the atom and the huge explosion, it, mm. it has to be so powerful that it that you would assume it would send ripples to other dimensions. But you mentioned there when talking about the White House that there's some kind of dialogue going on between, let's say, government or the deep state or intelligence with these species of aliens how how much do you do you know about that and what what kind of things would they be plotting or exchanging or talking about it, it it's it's not the government as in bill clinton and barack obama and donald trump it's it's departments that are called above government so you have a lot of secret places a lot of secret corridors a lot of people who are making utterances not louder than above their breath and those are the kinds that, that have the interaction with certain species. You see, what, what we have on, on this planet is a false matrix. And we have a matrix which is part of otherworldly beings that are enforcing that upon the people of this planet. And they use certain minions on this planet to carry out and fulfil that agenda. Now, when you turn around and say that, isn't it a bit silly for you to suggest that people who live on this planet want to destroy it. Well, put it this way, if you don't live on this planet, what does it matter? So that the people who are really pulling the strings and who are really in control are not from here. They can enter here, they can use certain vessels to get here, and they can manipulate things through the use of minions who they promised the world. Of course, when these people get to the harsh reality of the matter, they're expendable. And when their job is done, they're disposed of. But they, they see it as, well, you know, we've sold our soul here. We can have whatever we want. And that happens as well in the likes of low-level secret society rituals where they will evoke certain entities and they say, serve me in this life and get me the things that I want. And the contract that they then enter in with that deity is, okay, but at the point of physical death, you're now my slave. So and for them, for them, there's, there's nothing beyond the grave other than servitude. And do you think that we're talking about the same thing then? When when people talk about demons or they talk about archons, do you think what we're, we're actually talking about one and the same thing? They're these interdimensional entities. You could call them archons or demons, but that you could also call them aliens. Have like all these cultures been essentially <laughs> talking about the same thing? Well, all, all of these cultures have always, under different names, spoken about a current of negativity. And even though they refer, you know, the jinn or the archons or whatever, that they are always referring to that that current of negativity that, that that's controlling things. Now, when you look at the word archon, you know, it, it even includes monarchy. It includes royalty. When you start looking at demons, well, the, the Christian Church reduced the inhabitants of the elements and call them demons. So a lot, a lot of things that we call in demons are actually elementals in the different elemental kingdoms and, and the church calls them demons. So we then associate that with evil and, and different things. But yes, they are talking about that negative undercurrent 
that is in control and has been in control through the ages. And you can you can have multiple names for that negative undercurrent. And that's what you are seeing. And do you think that like when you said earlier about if disclosure came from the White House, for example, it wouldn't be good news or on the side of serving good. Do you think then that is it Project Blue Beam or Operation Blue Beam, this this idea of a fake alien invasion? Do you think this is <clears throat> on the cards, something we might even witness in our lifetimes? It certainly was on the cards, but a lot of things have changed since he was written on the cards. And you see what, what happens is, is there are many potential goals. And when that potential goal is, is delayed or stopped, it's because enough people have changed the timeline to stop it happening. Timelines are purely frequencies, dimensions are frequencies. So when you change your frequency and you align yourself to a different timeline or dimension, then you, you are there. So that certainly was on the cards but I do think, and it still may be, but I do think now that there are more and more people now within seconds, if that was to happen, it would be all over social media saying Project Blue Beam, this, that and the other. So what started off as a possibility and an intention then becomes not so possible because of people's advancement. And it, it certainly was, it certainly was in their, in their armory to be able to use that. As I said, they still may, but there's going to be so many people there that's going to see through it. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of wondering if the whole sort of COVID era, this mass awakening has happened, have we shifted timeline? Is that what you think has happened? <clears throat> and is this era the yeah. era you would give, give credit to that for? COVID, from, from a low-level perception, is really certain nasty, horrible people that want to eliminate other people on a low level which is true. But when you look at it from a high-level perspective, you see it as a, a catalyst and you see it as, a, as, as one of these points in history where people then have a choice to make a different choice and to change their life and to have the opportunity to see through the veil, to see through the illusion. So from a higher perspective, you know, 9-11, 7-7, COVID, all of these different things are the crossroads in people's reality to see through the veil. And a lot of people did. A lot of people changed. A lot of people started to look into things and realise, actually, there's something going on here. And other people just carried on as they always did. But that was their opportunity missed, and, and they'll get another one. So let's not worry about them. Let's mm -hmm. concentrate on, on the ones who changed. So, yes, the, these things are catalysts for change. From a high, high perspective, they allow us to see through the illusion. And unless you see and unless you can discern what is illusion and what is not, you cannot make the transition from dark to light. And these things give us the opportunity to do that. Staying on the subject of the whole COVID agenda, earlier you mentioned when you were talking about aliens and the sort of tinkering of DNA, and this is something that goes into, I mean, I know you've done a lot of work on on the Bible as well, you know, the Bible talks about the story of Adam and Eve and that all links back to DNA. You've got all these stories with aliens and DNA. And then suddenly the convict agenda gets pushed. All these mRNA vaccines come out. And what a surprise, they're tinkering with our DNA. And for anyone that's sort of looking into the kind of stuff that you are, that that must have sent alarm bells ringing. What, what, what do you make of these 
you know, arm spears and what what's in them and the link to DNA? DNA is a blueprint. It is a program. It contains universal knowledge and universal information. When you have a system that wants to shut everybody down and wants them to not realise they are part of the greater cosmos and the greater universe, then you have to shut you know, the cellar doors and you have to shut the doors of the house and close the windows so that they never see beyond that. When you start tinkering and, and putting limiters and putting different laden people's DNA, you are changing the code and you are closing people down and you are making aspects of them dormant, such as junk DNA, which is not junk, mm. but that is what they are doing. Now, uh, during COVID, I was given, as I often am, in, in the likes of quantum equations and different things, but I was given a, a an image in my head of, of a DNA double helix and mathematical equations all around it at certain points. And when I looked into it, it's basically the information of DNA repair. So I have the formula to reverse the damage that's being caused. And when I find someone who I can trust with that information, then I will hand it over to them. But it is basically how to reverse what's going on. And that was given to me as a, as a diagram. But they are limiting people, they are shutting people down, and they are changing the code. Because that straight away reminds me of, I'm not sure if you're familiar with um, Rudolf Steiner, and he had these ideas, like uh, this was like 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. One day in the future, there'd be a vaccine that's given to every baby born that will essentially cut them off from source and rid them of um, the the burden of like a spiritual existence. Is that essentially what you think the purpose of this is? It's one of the purposes because you don't know what's in that. You know, if, if you want to access the body and you want to cause genetic or, or spiritual, you know, disruption, then you come up with a format in which you can, on a large scale, do that. So you, you then come across with this, so-called virus that we all need to be protected from. And you know very well that the majority of people who can't think will go for it because you tell them that they're in danger if they don't. And straight away, it's like, jab me, jab me. And yet the same people will walk down the aisles of Asda and pick up a, a box of cereals and they will look at every single ingredient. And yet they're not taking or making that effort to look at what's being jabbed inside them. And as I say, let's not worry about them. That's their decision. Yeah. But that has always been the intention because even going back you know, to the burning of the books, even going back to the Council of Nicaea and, and Constantine, they edited these sacred books. They said, we now authorise this to be a belief system and this is what you will believe. And people have adopted that as historical fact and truth when it's not. So when you take the modus operandi, the method from the past and you bring it into more modern times, there is no difference. When you look in the past, when somebody would take a book off you and throw it into a fire, that's no different now to, to Facebook banning you for putting a certain post on. Mm. It's still censorship. It's still trying to close people down that have a different view to the one that the establishment wants to program people with. So that has always been the intention. And it was all, there's a lot of people, including me and others, that knew it was coming, but we didn't necessarily know how, but we knew it was coming. And it has now come. Mm. You know, so we we can either move forwards or we can move backwards. But that is that is our choice. And my choice is I'm going to move forwards. Well, there's a lot of other more immediate dangers 
with the whole vax agenda that we're seeing very clearly people getting everything from myocarditis to blood clots and all these types of injuries and obviously it's had a massive you know the 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 ripples like we were talking about earlier the ripples of of the whole covid era are going to be felt for i can't even imagine how how long and the effect it's had on the economy and it's you know closed people's businesses down and stripped them of their livelihoods and it's it's very obviously like getting but priming people for this kind of china regime of control they want to roll out and the smart grid and everything else but you do you do think that there is another overarching agenda of them trying to sort of disconnect people from from source or from from god do you think there's there's other things that play into that like whether it's 5g or anything else you can think of that that is would be part of that agenda of course you know all all the things that we are seeing manifesting in in the world is part of the same regime to keep people down now you know you you look at everything now and, and everything is a smart grid or part of a smart grid, you know, smartphone, smart car, smart meters, smart water, all of these things are a smart grid. And grids can become a canopy mm. that superimpose an original plan. So what we have now with a false matrix is to put that and overlay it over the original divine plan to superimpose it and stop it from happening. So it, it forms, yes, of course it does, because it's electromagnetism. You know, and, and if you can have flocks of birds literally just dropping out of the sky, if you can have flocks of birds attacking 5G posts and masts, there's obviously something that's annoying them, and that's frequency. And certain frequencies can be good or they can be bad, you know, and, and these kind of pulsations that are coming from these designs, from these masts, are of negative pulsation, and it causes problems in the body if you imagine that every single one of your organs in your body now has a frequency and to remain healthy it has to remain at that optimal frequency if you start to change the frequency of any one of your organs then you will see a disease in that organ so when you when you are changing people's vibrations you are causing detriment to their health and that that is part of an agenda to do that you know i mean just 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 think that what sense does it make that you know the effects, you know the dangers of these things, but you go ahead with them anyway? Mm. You know, you, you have on cigarette packets, kills and causes cancer. So why do we allow them to be on the market? Why do we allow alcohol to be on the market when it causes so much devastation? Everything that happens, happens because it is allowed to happen. For whatever reason, whether it's monetary, whether it's tax, whether it's the detriment of humanity, whether it's to seal people off, you know, you have females of islam who wear the burqa and the the, the hijab hijab means a partition border they are cutting them off from the source symbolically you know your churches you can't get to god except through us you are cutting people off you are severing the link between them and their rightful inheritance which is knowledge and wisdom and everybody is being shut off mm. and closed down and, and we're seeing that manifest in so many different ways in, yeah. in the world. Yeah. Well, to put a kind of positive spin on that, like what what it kind of reminds me of is like, say humanity was was a ball, like a inflatable ball or something, mm-hmm. and you're like floating in a swimming pool, and you're trying to push that ball down and keep it down under the water. Mm-hmm. 
you can't take your hand off that for a second. Otherwise, it's going to come straight up. And to me, it feels like the amount of effort that the powers that be are going to to keep us down. It's like that's what we are like. We we want to come up. It's like inevitable. We will come up. But to keep us down, that's like a 24-7 job for them. And it feels like it's rising. You know what I mean? And it's just a matter of time before they just can't keep us down anymore. And is, is that sort of how you... Yeah, yeah. See, see, see things. You see, it's our national natural tendency to want to advance, and yeah. and and the, the ball analogy is people wanting to advance, but someone's trying to stop them from advancing. But but the overriding urge is to rise, and that's what will happen. You know, another analogy of the same kind. It must be very very demoralising for those who are pushing the ball down that so many people are escaping the sides and coming to the surface anyway and another analogy of that is you are the establishment and you walk up to someone in the street and you punch them as hard as you can and they go is that it now you know you're in trouble mm-hmm. because you've thrown everything you possibly can at that person and it's had very little effect on them and and that really is another predicament that they are in they're, they're throwing everything at it they're putting all of these resources in they can't take their they can't take their hand off the ball for a second as you've said and yet people are still bypassing it, people are still awakening, and people are still rising to the surface. Now, that must be desperate. And when, when rats get desperate, they get nasty. And we are seeing the rats in the last part of their regime. But they're not going to give up so easily. They're just going to fight till the end. Mm. But they are going. They are going. I think they're going to fight to the end, and they're probably going to try and cause as much destruction as possible. <laughs> I mean, I heard another analogy of this being like a game of chess. They know in X amount of moves time they are done for, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to try and wipe as many players off the board and cause as much chaos as possible, even if they know they've lost. They're um, no, because they're they're, fight to the very end. They're still playing the game, and they're playing the game for real, and they're playing the game to win. But it is a game, and it is a game that they have got so engulfed in and so enthralled in that they they can't seek for anything else other than we're playing to win you know don't forget that when you see you know the bowls and jelching the two pillars and you see the archway the archway is neutral and when you have the negative side and then you have the positive side well that's your two pillars and when you get to the arch then you connect that duality into non-duality which is the return to God and that's what we're doing so when you look at ancient predictions, when you look at what has been stated, that has been divinely ordained, we're going to come out of this just fine. But it's, it's not going to be easy. I hope you enjoyed that episode of The Schism. We've got plenty more episodes on the way. In the meantime, follow us on our Instagram at schism.tv and keep watching the skies.